0: It's Guys Guy Radio. Here's your host, Robert Manny.
1: Welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show where men and women can be at their best and everyone wins. Guys Guys Radio. We're here on KCAA in sunny Southern California, and the podcast is global, worldwide. Download it, listen live, stream it. We're everywhere. Guys Guys Radio. Thanks so much for listening. I'm so thrilled. I am so full of gratitude for my guests and my audience. I thank everybody, and there's a lot of shows to go. We're going to keep going and going and going because we're getting great guests here, lots of information that's helpful. And again, I'll bring you the information. That's my job. You determine if it's something you want to fold into your experience. All I'm doing is looking to serve and to bring you some stuff that might help you out in your day-to-day life because I know how busy everybody is. They don't have time to really look inside sometimes. They don't have time to consider what else is there besides my job and my subway sandwich and my commute home and my watching sports center and whatever else. <laughs> you know, everybody has full lives. I understand. I'm not trying to make light of it, but a lot of it is we, you know, we replay the same day over and over again when we're working and working and working because we have to. So what I do is I bring you some Information to consider. Maybe you consume it when you're during your commute in your car or just chilling out. But guys, guys, radio, we're here for you. So we've got a great show for today, for you today. We've got Paul Selig. He's probably the world's foremost channel. He's been doing his work channeling for about 20, 25, maybe even 30 years. He's also an empath. So what does a channel do? With a channel, he really opens up and these collective of guides come through to him and they speak through him. And I've been in workshops with Paul and basically he he will speak in the words that they're saying and then he will repeat it. And it's really amazing if you're there in person because Paul is kind of stepping aside and he's really being used as a conduit for the information. And that's how his books are written. They just come directly through him. There's not a lot of editing, maybe clean up a uh, punctuation here or there, but that's it. He's channeling big books in this most recent book, uh, Beyond the Gnome. It is, uh, you know, it's about 270 pages and it's chock full of uh, content and it's uh, chock full of theory, chock full of information to help us lead our best lives. So Guys Guys Radio, have got Paul Selig as our special guest. I can't wait to get started with our interview, so let's get it on right now. Guys Guys Radio. Very special guest. He's been here before. His name is Paul Selig, and he's got a new book called Beyond the Known Realization. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about Paul. He is one of the foremost spiritual channels of divine wisdom working today. 30 years ago, he was made clairvoyant by a spiritual experience that, that began his connection to beings of higher intelligence called the Guides. Realization, a new book, is a long-awaited channel text. And it's the first book, and is highly anticipated, Beyond the Knowing. Trilogy. Um, Paul Selleck has a unique ability to step into and become the people his clients ask about. So he's, I guess you would call him an empath, often taking on their personalities and physical characteristics as he hears them telepathically. I've actually uh, had a reading from Paul and the guides. It's fantastic. And I've been to his workshops. And as I've said, the other times Paul's been on when my wife and I took his workshop, um, we came home and uh, we were at such a high vibration. We believe that well, let's put it this way. Nine months later, we welcomed our son, so uh, it's fantastic. So Paul's work is widely featured in a variety of media, including ABC News Nightline, Fox News, and all over the place. In this book, Realization, Paul and the Guides take readers on a journey of enlightenment, acting as a psychological, spiritual guide. The wisdom of the Guides is unedited as it comes through Paul, helping the readers to move beyond perceived limitations of accepted reality and to achieve ultimate manifestation. Uh, Paul uh, al- also offers channeled workshops internationally and private practice as an intuitive, and he conducts frequent live stream seminars you can find all over the internet. So welcome back to Guys Guys Radio, Paul Selick. Thank you for having me, glad to be here. So let's start right at the beginning. Um, just for our listeners who may not be aware of your work, um, you work with guides when you're channeling, uh, from my side of the table, what I see is the, the guides are speaking through you, you repeat what they tell you, and then you say it again. And um, it, the second time you say it, it comes out in, in their kind of a vocal tonation, etc. cetera. Um, could you uh, describe then for our listeners, um, who are the guides, uh, why have they come, and how they physically work through you kind of better than I have described it? I'll do my best.
0: I mean, I whisper the words as they come and then I repeat them. So that's, you know, if you can imagine that I'm somebody sort of taking dictation or reading fortune cookies, you know, one thing after the next. I hear in phrases. I don't hear the whole sentence. I don't know the whole paragraph. I don't certainly don't even know what the book is going to be. I don't even know the title until they say this is the title of the book. Um. The process is when I first started channeling, it felt like somebody was pressing their lips against my forehead and, you know, pressing the vibration of the words into me. And I would form them with my lips, which is how the whisper and repeat began. And I think it's a way that I work. I don't always do it, but that's mostly it. The guides are teachers. They call themselves teachers. They use the term ascended masters at times or they have um the name that they come forth with when they bring forth the name is melchizedek which is an old name in a priesthood my favorite definition is when they say you know we are who you become when you know who you are um Mm -hmm. they call themselves the true self the true self is the divine self the manifestation of the divine um that has come they say is each of us but is seeking to be known and revealed
1: and articulated as in through us. Okay, so they are a uh, collective that speaks to you through one voice then, kind of funneled through, or is it individuals from the collective that step out and speak to you, you?
0: I generally hear a consistent voice, but there are variations. And there are people that listen very closely to this that at times can notice the difference. There was one book that was dictated called The Book of Truth. And the guide who that was that felt like one voice consistently throughout, but there was a slight vocabulary change to what I was used to. That guy would say dears, which is a word I don't like, and they mm-hmm. would like you to know dears, and I was appalled. But it was very consistent. It was a very careful dictation, as if somebody was sitting down next to me and whispering a text that had already been prepared. Um, I tend to understand the vibration and the tone and the vocabulary of what comes through and I trust it at this point I trust it very very much So if I were to suddenly hear a voice out of the blue that didn't sound much like, like my guides I don't think I would bring it through I would have to question it So I understand them as a collective, but I tend to experience
1: them as one mm-hmm. when through Okay um- this book is uh i don't know if it's your sixth book or your fifth book uh, i know i am the word was the first one about 10 years ago and i i remember being in a bookstore on uh, 14th street and off of fifth avenue or sixth avenue and i uh i picked the i walked past the book and i picked it up and i'm like i bought it i took it home i read it i didn't get it i read it again i started to get it and it's the only book i've ever read three times and then it clicked and since then i i took a couple of your workshops on my own then i brought my wife and I've read each book. And they, the books have gotten, for me, easier and easier. Maybe it's because of my own spiritual enfoldment, if you will, and my vibration. But um, I found that getting to this book called Realization Beyond the Known, it's really – it's uh, I don't want to use the wrong word. But to me, it was very dense at first. I really had to work through it. But then at other times, um, it just sped along. And it's just – it's an amazing uh, – how, how does this book differ from your previous books?
0: It's a different teaching. I mean, it's really very simple. Sometimes I think the six books that preceded this one were in preparation for where they're taking us in Beyond the in this new trilogy, because they're really speaking to embodiment. And they're Mm -hmm. speaking to embodiment in what they call the upper room. Now, the guides say, you know, we're operating in a shared construct of reality. They call it an octave. They say it has high notes and low notes, and it's pretty you know, run through with fear, which is one of the things that we've claimed and chosen at this level. The upper room, which is they say where they're teaching us from, is a place without fear and it's the, the, the abode or the home or the, the level of vibration that they call the true self. The true self, they says, which is the inherent divine that they say is in everyone, nobody can be without it, is what expresses there. So what they're doing in this book is they're taking us to this place and beginning to teach us how to lift what we encounter to what they call the upper room. They say the kingdom, and they've talked about the kingdom in a number of their books, is the realization of the inherent divine that must be present in all manifestation. They say, God, if there is a God, and they say there is, it's all things or no thing at all. You really can't have it both ways. And so Mm -hmm. the realization of the inherent divine is what lifts the vibration of what you see, to what they call the upper room they're they're beginning to teach us i believe how to embody at that level and to claim a new world
1: into being okay let's uh let's uh, let's dig into that a little bit because for a lot of people uh, you know when i was reading the book they'd say okay here's a you know we have given the definition of what i have in my hand as a pen but you know it's god also and everything every if If you don't recognize that every single molecule of everything is God, whether it be good, what something you in your history has divine, have collectively defined as good or bad or whatever, you have to kind of toss that all the way. You have to like leave your history behind to elevate to this place, the upper room, to be able to realize your the world, your divinity, your will in a different, more. Uh, robust way, if you will. I, I, forgive me, because it sounds like words aren't even the right way to describe the upper room, and neither are even shapes or sacred geometry. It's, it's, it's a tone, almost.
0: Yeah. Well, this is what the guides have said. They say that there is actually one note playing in the entire universe. It's one sound. And that one note articulates or is made manifest in everything we see. And we're Supporting that we're supporting in the creation of that through consciousness So what the guides say is the only problem that we really face is the denial of the divine that they say is in all things You know, we've separated ourselves from source and consequently we've separated everyone and everything else So the re-knowing of this is what they're teaching and they call it re-articulation so, you know One of the examples they used that I found helpful, and I think it may be in this book, it may be in the one that's coming out in August, they talked about a painting. Imagine a painting, you know, and, you know, there's one paint, but it has different pigments, you know, that make it different colors. And you put the paint on a canvas and say, you make a beach scene and there's a ship at sea and sailors on the ship and a storm approaching. And there's a swimmer and a shark and there are people playing and having a party on the other side of the beach they say it's one paint it's got different colors it's Mm -hmm. rendered in different shapes and we bring meaning to what we see we create narrative around the ships and the storm and the partying people and the person and the shark but if you take away the pigment the substance of it is one thing and they say that that's source so they're talking about the re-knowing of sorts. They say again and again and again, you can't make anything holy. It already is, but you can deny the divine in anything, and we do. So, you know, they've got these really simple teachings that I like, and they say, you know, what you damn, damns you back. What blesses you in return. You can't be the light and hold another in darkness and they say who you put in darkness or what you put in darkness calls you to that darkness. There can be no other way. So the re-knowing of the divine is actually, if I understand what they're saying, what supports us in moving beyond that construct of duality. You know, the guides I work with, they don't really talk about good and evil. They do talk about high and low, you know, in an octave, Mm -hmm. low notes and high notes, and they say every octave, has the high and the low you understand we have been operating in fear here and we've been creating in fear and we're being taught to fear and we're being taught to be in opposition to the ones beside us and we go into agreement with that stuff and then that's the reality and we wonder why things kind of stink much of the time you know Mm -hmm. i suspect that they're
1: they're teaching us another way okay um OK, so for the benefit of our listeners, uh, part of what I got out of the book was that, that you know, the, the, we, there's the history is the past. It doesn't exist, really. And then there's the future, which is expectation. And the only thing is happening is 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 right now. Yet as a collective consciousness, what we have done is we, we recreate our history all the time and we define things as, as we have been told. And it doesn't become just an individual decision, if you will. Or definition, it's a collective one. So everything that's going on collectively, our energy, our vibration impacts it. So we're all getting what we create. Yeah. Is that right? Perfectly said. Okay.
0: Perfectly said. And they're talking about lifting to what they call the upper room, where we're not bound by the collective agreements of, you know, what is this? What is that? What things mean? You know, I mean... The guides say that the small self, which is the personality self knows itself through history. You know, I'm what my parents said I was, I'm what my culture says I am or my religion or whatever you wish. And that we've assumed ourselves to be these things at the cost of who we truly are. The guides say the true self operates in the present moment. The divine self isn't bound by time and space. You know, consciousness, if you think about consciousness, isn't bound by time and space. When I read for people and I step into them, you know, I used to think that I was traveling at, you know, the speed of light to them. And then a physicist said to me once, you know, Paul, you're stepping, you're just going in. You're just going in. It's interdimensional. It's not what you think it is. And I was trying to use my understanding of linear time and space to comprehend non-localized consciousness and i learned through these things but the guides say you know the true self is as present now as it can ever be we've just denied it and the process of releasing that denial seems to be what they're supporting us in doing which they do say claims us into the infinite now the guides say you can only know now you didn't know yesterday you're not going to know tomorrow you can only be in your knowing now and from your knowing you're operating in an inspired state in an awareness of your source.
1: Okay. Uh, in practical matters, where uh, somebody might listening who's not too aware of this might say, "Okay, how? How then? The guy who's making the pizza down the street uh, sees his world one way, and then you, who are exposed to the guides and their attunements, if you will, are starting to unfold and have your vibration raised. How?" And let's say that, let's make an assumption that 99% of people are the guy making the pizza. And it's it's not a judgment thing by any means. How? How can the pizza guy work with this? And how can we, who are studying this and working on our unfoldment, do this without, you know, looking down at other people or something? How can we help raise the world consciousness and vibration? Big question, I know, but...
0: Well, no, it's really simple. I mean,
1: without you don't need the books to do this
0: stuff. You can do some simple things. Stop agreeing to fear. Stop making choices based in fear. Stop damning the person next to you or those people over there or agreeing to disparage or shun or whatever we do culturally. You know, look at what we do. Those people over there, those people that pray like that, all that stuff, it's all separation. You can come to the very simple idea that if there is source or God or whatever it is, it must be present in all things. Other than that, you're just cherry picking what's good and what's not, and you're creating an idea of God that supports your personal needs. So if you think it really simply, you know, what you damn, damns you back, what you bless, blesses you in return. You can't be the light and hold another in darkness. The action of fear is to claim more fear, Even just those things will start to shift your awareness of not only who and what you are, but who and what everybody else is. And this is powerful stuff. The guides say, you know, my personality self, if you say, you you know, Paul, who are you? And I'll say, well, I'm Paul. I'm a guy in his 50s. I need to lose 40 pounds. Yeah, I have a list of of ways to tell you who I am. And that's the personality self. The true self, they say, isn't bound by that. And if you just go, you know, back in, I'm an old 12-stepper and the old and 12-step land, they used to say simple things, you know, look for the good or the God in everyone. That was mind-blowing,
1: mm-hmm.
0: mind-blowing. I didn't know you could do that. You know, I had to be given permission. I was raised an atheist, you know, and then this stuff started coming through I me and I'm going, oh, brother, why me? And what, what am I to do with all this? But I do think the basis of these teachings are very, very simple. We're vibrational beings. Everything that we see, we're in vibrational accord to. When we lift our vibration, we actually are able to lift what we encounter, because like attracts like. It's really that simple. Mm -hmm. Again, what you damn, dance you back. Who or what you bless, blesses you in response. And there's often... You know, when I teach these things or the guides teach these things in workshops, they have people work with it. You can feel it when you bless something. You can feel the energy roll right after.
1: They call it the echo. It's fascinating to experience. No, no it's true. So, it's, so the good news is there's a lot of people out there who aren't exposed to these teachings yet are practicing exactly what you said about they see the divinity in everything. They see the good in people. And uh, for us who are learning this, like I spent uh, my time in New York based on your the, the teachings of the guides. I would sit in the subway. I was always around people. And I would, I, I know who you are in truth. I know what you are in truth. I know how you serve in truth. You are free, you are free, you are free. And I felt it would calm things down. I just felt something was good about it. And I just continually do that all the time. Now, in the book, there's a new attunement called I Have Come. Could you talk to us a little bit about the attunements that the guides give us. And this specific attunement, I got I, I, one quick story. I, you know, go, I'm about three quarters of the way through the book and I've been working with this attunement and th- I could physically feel it when I was reading some of them. And I encountered somebody this morning, a woman my hall, uh, on my floor, and she's never even looked at me. She's walked past me maybe 30 times. Today, she stopped. She gave me the biggest beaming smile and started talking to me. And I was like, what what's different? And I'm like, well, I had that attunement yesterday. Maybe that's it. I don't know, but it. I, I really think that it's it's a physical thing that happens as well as a spiritual thing.
0: It's very physical. I have come when the guides first started bringing that through in workshops, people started falling over. I've never had that really happen, mm. and that stopped very quickly. And I was very glad for that. I used to see <laughs> then the guy who works with me in the back running across the room to pick somebody, you know, who was starting to teeter, because oh. the energy was really palpable. And I haven't lost anybody yet. The stuff is safe and I always have to say that. But it was a lot of energy. Now, the guides say we're all radios, we're always in by we're always playing a station. Our station is our consciousness. That's that simple. They work with energetic attunements that they say make us available to the stations that have always been playing, but we haven't known how to play. Mm-hmm. So if you think of those old, you know, think of a jukebox where you plug in the song. The attunements sort of support the song in playing through you. It's really that simple. And there is a series of them. It began in the very first book 10 years ago. I am the word. They attuned everybody to the word, which they called the energy of the creator in action. Now I understand the word to mean that one note that's playing in all things. I didn't understand it. Now I kind of get it. You, you spoke one of the attunements. I know who I am in truth. I know what I am in truth. I know how I serve in truth. I am free. I am free. I am free. The guides say the attunements are spoken by the true self. It's not like I know who I am. I'm a guy in my fifties. Right. It's the true self that knows who it is beyond the form taken, beyond how it's shown up, beyond what people would say about him or he would say about others. It's the self that truly knows. So I, I know who identity, I know what form, manifestation, service is simply expression. How one serves, they say, is how one is most fully expressed. And then there's the claim, I am free, I am free, I am free. And the claim, I am free, seems to be what supports us in lifting beyond this level of vibration, this the mm-hmm. collective, which we think we, we, we operate as if we're stuck in and bound to. And the guides say, indeed, we're not. The claim, I have come, I have come, I have come, they say, is claimed from the upper room. Now, when I understood this, I was kind of really surprised. They've been doing these attunements for years. I know who I am. I know what I am. I know how I serve. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. And they would often say a chord. This brings you into a chord. A-C-C-O-R-D or A-C-H-O-R-D is on a piano. What they said was those individual claims are all as notes played on a piano, and when the chord is played at once, when all of those individual claims are realized at once, you have embodiment, which is the claim: "I have come, I have come, I have come." It's the true self and expression as you. It's really quite potent. Okay, I, be- I believe that you can claim it, but I think the the ability to reside in that energy takes work because it does involve
1: a taking out the trash you know a cleaning out of the system mm-hmm. so when you when you uh, express i have come i have come i have come um then just yes, in practical terms what what should happen what what it's what should the expectation be by somebody who's doing the enfoldment work and using that uh, those three words
0: well i mean You know, you have people listening to this stuff who may be sitting there saying, well, I'm saying I've come, I've come, I don't feel anything. I mean, that's what I mean. They're progressive attunements. You can work Mm -hmm. with these things, but they're endowed with meaning. I'd say the language is encoded with vibration. You can say the attunements, you can get the attunements. The claim, I have come, I have come, I have come, is a claim of embodiment. People often feel it as a full-body experience. Yes. The art center is sort of moving through you, you know, into a fullness. And it's quite something. There's another attunement after that, which is even more trippy. And I'll save that for the next book. I'm assuming it'll be in, you know, the next one that they dictate. But the guides say the one who has come is the true self in manifestation. And the true self then becomes a doorway for others, a portal for others, you know, to enter what they call the upper room. Mm-hmm. From the vibration of the word for lack of a better term that's what they began
1: with got it itself mm-hmm. okay it's guys guys radio your host robert manny we're speaking with paul selig author of i am the word his new book is beyond the known realization a channel text book one of the beyond the known trilogy and we're really uh, getting into it um Some people may think that, and it comes up in the book about manifestation. Okay, so if you're in this upper room and everything's redefined and you see the God and everything and God is everything, can you instantly manifest what you want? And then the flip side of that would be, well, theoretically, I guess you can, but should you be asking to manifest things if already you're kind of experiencing a higher octave or vibration? Do you need those things?
0: I mean, I understand what you're saying. I have questions about this, too, still. But my basic understanding is at that level, you're in receipt. You're not even asking. You're in reception. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen this. The guides teach this thing. They call it the mudra of creation, right? They say we all have these frames that we operate. We're like, I'm not good enough. That's the frame. You hold that frame up. And the purpose of the frame is to call into you what the frame says, our world will confirm our idea of ourself. So the guides once explained this gesture to somebody and they say, imagine that you're floating on your belly in the middle of the ocean and what you're doing with this is calling the current to you. And everything exists in this ocean, which is energy and you're calling it to you. They call it the mood of creation. So when they illustrate this, and they often do it in workshops, they'll have everybody do this. You can do this if you Uh, want. I do it every day, every morning. Yeah. So, you know, when they often say, I have a right to be here, which is a neutral claim, it's a true claim. And then if you say nobody else has the right to be here but me, you can actually feel your arms getting heavy. It's a low claim. Now, we make low claims all the time, but that means that's what we're moving into vibrational accord to. And if you make a high claim, everybody has the right to be, which they say is always true. You're operating at that higher level. Now, at that higher level, you're calling to you what is true. So I don't know if it's about, you know, having some catalog of what we can get now that we're so ascended. I don't think (laughs) this is what this teaching is about. That's a way in for many people. We are creative beings. The guides say the true self knows, the small self thinks. They've said many times, there's nothing wrong with the house in the hill. Somebody gets to live there, but why do you want it? If you
1: want it to be the envy of your neighbors, you're acting in fear. If we're so used to um, uh, thinking our way through things, how do we kind of step over, if you will, thinking our way into the upper room instead of elevating uh, organically in the upper room, the way that we we need to, from the standpoint of vibration, because you know it, people naturally are going to start thinking, thinking it through. How do I get there? Oh, I have to remember that you know that that rock is God. Okay, now what?
0: You're, yeah, but you can overcomplicate it all you want to. It can be very very simple. You know, there's a meditation that's in realization where the guides bring people to the upper room. You know, and, and you have to sort of agree to certain things, agree to let go of ideas of self, ideas of form, ideas of what it means to be an expression, you know, and then you're, you're welcome to step over. But now when I do workshops, the guides will often just say, you know, to 100 people, you know, they'll take them to the first attunements and they'll say, OK, on the count of three, we're going to lift everybody to the upper room. And they have people claim, I am in the upper room. You can feel the energy go whoosh. Mm -hmm. It's a lifting in the energetic field. So you're not trying to get there. You're claiming as the true self, that aspect of self that already expresses there, that that's what you're aligned to. And then you begin to have the experience. So there's not a lot of thinking involved. It's much more experiential
1: than that. Okay, so when you're there, um, and this again, I'm asking for the question I would ask if I was listening to the radio driving down Route 5 or whatever. How do you make sure that you stay there? Or do you Are you automatically, once you're tuned, do you stay up there? Or if you go out and drink shots of tequila or something, do you come that back down? How do you maintain your level of vibration in this upper room?
0: That's what they're teaching now. The book that comes out in August is very much about the transition between mm-hmm. And it's a bit, I'll tell you, it basically means, you know, you're going to confront your stuff. It's not graceful at all. But they talk about it as about being in the elevator. So the example they've used is, say say you've been used to living in a basement apartment. You know the view from the basement. You've got your ex's clothes in the closet still and the family album and the unpaid bills and all of this. And, you know, the report card pen that were stupid. All that crap is in the basement with you. And then you're offered an apartment on the 10th floor. So you move up to this empty apartment on the 10th floor and then you go, who the hell am I without my ex's clothes in the closet and that report card telling me I'm stupid? We run right downstairs to what we have known. So this process seems to be about releasing the ideas of who and what we are that maintain us in low vibration. It's not comfortable for me in the least, but That seems to be what this process is. So they're teaching this now. I mean, you know, they do say there's no fear in the upper room. And when they bring people there and in workshops, they say, what are you afraid of? Nothing. There's nothing there. But we can choose to be afraid. And then we go right back downstairs. I can choose to be in judgment, which is another form of fear. Go right back downstairs. I can choose to deny
1: the divine in anyone or anything right back downstairs, so when you're getting when you're getting, Paul, well, I'm sorry to interrupt, uh, when somebody's getting afraid because it's a natural tendency to go back. For instance, I have a financial thing that's kind of been dangling. I thought it was taken care of. I thought it was taken care of. I keep getting afraid and I'm like, no, I'm not supposed to be afraid. I'm not afraid. And then it doesn't go away. And like, what's the meaning of this? And how, how do how do people assuage their fear? How do they rise above it and stay above it when we've been trained throughout our 3D existence, if you will, everything's been that's been training us has been done so, in my opinion, predominantly in fear.
0: Well, what the guides say is stop agreeing to it. That's what they say to me. You move beyond it. You know, you don't shake hands with it. You don't dance with it. You don't play with it. You know, if they say fear isn't a good dance partner. You know, it'll take you right there with you. You know, I mean, when I have this stuff come up, believe me, I experience it. I also have to ask myself when it comes up, what the opportunity is, what I'm attached to that's being triggered, you know. Mm-hmm. In this case, is it my financial security, you know, or my sense of myself in the world, or whatever this stuff is. So it can be useful. to understand this? And mm-hmm. all can it's ever the guides say. You know the the choice of the day is you know is it, you know the the, the opportunity day is the choice of the day. We're learning through all of our choices, and the guides say we're choosing this stuff. You know, and I mean, when I get catalyzed by fear, it ain't pretty. And then I have opportunity to lift. I have opportunity to release the need that I have. How do you do that? Myself through that. Well, the claims, I know who I am in truth. I know what I am in truth. I know how I serve in truth. Are claims of alignment and the true self who claims this is not afraid. My small self that, you know, worries all the time and i have a loud small self who worries so my work has been to begin to move above that and beyond that and address those parts of me to feel those needs you know because that's the best he's known how to do. Mm
1: do do you find yourself then using your mind then to to get to where you need to go to to step beyond the fear and not claim it
0: Well,
1: I suppose I do.
0: I mean, you know, I'm choosing what I want to give my attention to at any Mm -hmm. moment. I'm choosing to pour, you know, gasoline on the fire. It could be a tiny little fire that I can turn into a forest fire
1: with my worry. Okay. That's how, you know. Got it. All right. Guys, Guys Radio, our special guest once again, Paul Selig, author of I Am the Word, the new book. The known realization, a channel text, um, we're talking about it and, uh, and also about the upper room. Let me ask you about something that for, for everybody, I think, that's come in contact with your work is the idea of the Christ itself. Because obviously, uh, Christ can be a polarizing term to some people based on their religion. It's not really about Jesus Christ per se but it's about the embodiment, embodiment of the soul and the, uh, of the Christ, which is a little bit different. Could you articulate that better than me, please? I'll do my best. I mean, the guides define
0: Christ in the very first book that they dictated because they said in the first book, the Christ in humanity or the Christ in man is an event that happens. Mm-hmm. An event is something that occurs. Then they define the Christ as the aspect of the creator that can be realized in form. It's the seed that makes the flower, you know, and they, they, they use other names for it. Sometimes they call it the true self. Sometimes they call it um, the monad, you know, which is the the, the mm-hmm. one of all that, that expresses the all, the unit of, that is part of the whole. But they, they use the term, the word, and they use the word Christ to mean very specific things. Some people have said, you know, that there's a reclamation of language happening here. They're reclaiming true meaning. But they are talking about the manifestation of the divine in form. There's no way around it. That's been the teaching from the beginning. You know, it's not a theoretical teaching. So they don't use, they don't talk about religion all that much. They do reference it in a number of their books. And they say at, at, at the source of all religions, there's great beauty and truth, but much of, you know, means something else and, um, you know, has been distorted over time.
1: How can people know slash realize divine will and how can we transcend choices and the resulting karma made from history? So I know myself in divine will or I am choosing to align to the true self and will or up in the, we're in the upper room. How do we how do we kind of use our time in that space to Ah, uh, transcend and karma and things like that. And what is the difference between realizing, uh, claiming, and knowing? Well, A lot of stuff I threw at you. I'm sorry.
0: And knowing are the same thing. To realize something is to know it. So they use those words interchangeably. They're only now really speaking to transforming or transmuting karma um, or history. In the body and in the energetic field, and they're doing this with a new claim, which is, Behold, I make all things new, which again they say is claimed by the true self. I can talk about the will a little bit, okay? You know, we've been given will, we have choices, it's up to us, we get to choose. The guides are really clear on this, they don't take us where we don't want to go, but they do talk about a braiding of the will, they say, You know. We've got this old paradigm of thy will, God's will, not mine be done, which is conferring an idea of separation or that there's something wrong with the personal will. What they're talking about is a braiding of the will, you know, the the, the divine will and the, and the self unifying. And that goes back to, I expect, the idea of becoming one
1: with and okay. not separate from, and that's where they seem to be taking place. Okay. In the upper room, Paul, uh, is everything... Potential versus form that we are uh, used to seeing in the three D world, if you will.
0: I can not know. Everything is form in a new form. You know. I mean, that's how I'm hearing this right now, and I tune into it. So let me try to put it this way: um, consciousness informs matter, and they've been saying this for a very long time. So you know, if I want to make the man evil, I can make him evil, but that I'm aligned to that level that I claim him at. You can't lift the evil man to the upper room because you've claimed him a vibration. In order to lift that man, you have to re-know who he is as of source. That doesn't mean you forget what he did or any of those things. It means you know him beyond that, beyond the mask worn. You know that he's of the same source as you, And as all things, then the human being would be lifted. That lifting, they say, informs the vibrational field of the individual. So to claim for another, I know who you are in truth. I know what you are in truth. I know how you serve in truth. You are free. You are free. You are free. The guides would say would be claiming what is always true. You're claiming the inherent divinity that must be there. The one who claims that is the one who knows it, which is the true self. When you claim it for another, and I do this in workshops all the time, people feel it. You can feel the energy
1: of it, and you can feel the lifting <clears throat> and the vibrational results. Now, uh, as you, as a reader, goes along with the books, or one of your students, and you know, I'd been saying, "I am free, I am free, I am free," and now I'm saying, "I have come, I have come, I have come." Do you kind of just? Uh, do you just kind of drop off the other stuff? have you moved along, for instance, like I do some affirmations in the morning and I'll start with "I am word through this or that," and then I ask for God's divine white light or protection on a bunch of things, and now I'm saying, "I have come, I have come, I have come at the end." there's a lot there's a lot of words going on. How do how, what's a good way to manage all of that or am I overthinking it?
0: I think you're overthinking
1: it. I think they're all fine. I use different ones
0: at different times as well. Um, they, the claim, I know who I am, I know what I am, I know how I serve. The God said, I will call you back into the present moment, which is the only time you can know. Um, I understand to an extent that the claims build on the prior claims. And in some ways, for example, the claim, I am here, which was the claim of the Book of Mastery, I don't hear them say much, but I hear it's been sort of, you know, it's become part of what follows the claim, I have come is the aspect that is here in expression. The claim I am here was the ignition or the alignment to the divine self in form. I have come as the manifestation of it. So you can go there. The claim I have come seems to do a lot of heavy lifting
1: and it it does move energy and it can be challenging when it gets addressed. Is, is there, um, and I just have a few more questions, is there, when somebody's raising their um, frequency and vibration and uh, putting out that recognition of uh, the divinity of everybody, is there a ripple effect where one person, some say one person can affect, you know, 50 people? So even though, even if 99% of people aren't necessarily aware of exactly what these teachings are about, that everybody who's doing things and putting it out there, we can help a lot of people yeah. individually. That's how it works. This isn't a selfish teaching. We're not really even doing this for ourselves. I understand we're
0: doing this for all. But they say when each when any one of you moves to a place of realization, you you awaken a thousand more just by nature of your presence. This is done through entrainment or vibrational accord. You know, I know how I serve means how you're most fully expressed as the true self in our culture we tend to think it's our career what we do and the guys say no it's how you express in vibration you know go to an airport sometime and claim i am word through all that i see before me or i'm word through each one present or i know who you are i know what you are i know how you serve or i lift you to the upper room you can feel
1: the shifts yeah i've done it in new york a million times and yeah it's it, it, it makes a difference um a couple more uh and then we're good um what Personally, Paul, what have you learned doing this work over the last 20 years or more? What have you learned about humanity that you didn't know before?
0: Oh, that's a hard one. And it depends, I
1: suppose, on what day you ask me.
0: Um, I think that we're not who we think we are, that we are in a masquerade where we're using our personality, selves and commerce, this is who I say I am, and this is who you say you are, and let's have a conversation based on ideas of who we are, and not perhaps the innate truth of who we are, which is quite remarkable and quite beautiful. I do believe that the divine is present in all things, but I have to tell you, some days it seems pretty well hidden, you know, mm-hmm. it's a challenge. But you know, I have to go to their teachings with this. This isn't a convenient teaching. It just isn't. It doesn't give me what I want, which is to feel justified. And the guides say self righteousness is always the small self. That's a challenging one. Because I want to go there and I'm right. self righteous. But I do understand that it's the personality self and I do really, really, really get that what you damn and who you damn damns you back. Okay. And the higher you go in vibration, the more we begin to experience these things because we're operating with less density.
1: Okay. And I guess, uh, even though we didn't get into it, it, the God and everything we're talking about is really, I guess it's love. Really, is God love? I get yes. I mean, one of the definitions they use
0: is that God is the infrastructure that underlies all things, the seen and the unseen. You know, it's what makes all things so. Okay. Um, I do believe, and they have said God is love, but I think God is also probably other things as well. Truth, wisdom, you know, and they say all things are of God. And I said, well, what about fear? And they said, well, even fear is of God. It just denies it. It's just denying, you know, what it truly
1: is. And that's where the schism has happened that we we're going to heal. Paul, well, fantastic. Thank you so much for the work you've done over the years. Thank you for being a supporter of Guys, Guys Radio. And the, the guys were the ones who told me, do the show every week. And I've been doing it and things are working out great. Where can everybody find you? What do you want uh, our listeners to know about your information? Where are you going to be doing workshops next, et cetera?
0: Best place to find me and my schedule and information on the books and workshops, it's Selling.com. It's just my name. And um, selig dot com. It's the website. It's got everything there. Um, where workshops are going to be coming up? I think I'm going to be at the LA Expo next weekend. I'm going to be in Vancouver and Seattle and uh, Portland, Oregon um, in two weeks. Um, all over, really. So if you're if you're traveling, I'm probably going to
1: show up somewhere in your vicinity and um and the schedule is on the website fantastic thank you so much paul for being on guys guys radio thank you you guys also
0: (laughs) robert manny's the guys guys guide to love is a fast-paced tale of flawed men and savvy women competing for love sex power and money in the city where they play for keeps it's the men's successor to Sex in the City. The Guy's Guy's Guide to Love is a sexy romp through the fast-moving, high-stakes world of Madison Avenue. Available now on Amazon and wherever books are sold.
1: Okay, that was a very provocative, very interesting conversation with channel and empath, Paul Selig, talking about his book, the new one, Beyond the Known, Realization, a Channel Text. It's book one of the Beyond the Known trilogy. And as I was mentioning to Paul, uh, I got a lot out of the book. It wasn't the easiest book I've ever read on spiritual text, but it got better and better as, it, as, it, as I went along, and I found it started to flow uh, in a way that I, I really haven't experienced reading a book, where I was struggling with the first half of the book, and I was rereading sentences, which happens a lot when you're reading spiritual text. Spiritual work is not easy. <laughs> there are some challenges to it, but as Paul said, you don't want to overthink it. As I got deeper into the book and it started to click for me, I actually found myself, as I mentioned, almost speed reading, like powering through these sentences, and I was getting it. So it's a fantastic set of books that Paul's put together, uh, these channel texts, and there's more on the way. And I strongly recommend that you check them out and see if they fit into your uh, day-to-day life. I have found over the last 10 years, reading these books has really made a major difference for me in a positive way, starting with his original book, I am the Word. So, Paul Selig. The other thing we learned about uh, today is that, uh, as Paul said, and uh, the guides were there with him. uh, Don't don't overthink spirituality. Don't overthink all of this stuff. That you know, you don't have to do all of these uh, spiritual seminars and workshops and all that stuff. And all the stuff that people who have determined that they want to be on the spiritual path in this life uh, are doing. Maybe it's just about. Being a really good person, choosing love over fear, recognizing the divinity, divinity in your fellow man, and just being an honorable person with integrity—it's almost as simple as that. And I think if you do that, if you give that a try, and stop being victim of fear. That your life will change in a very positive way and also for me at least i find that whenever i show gratitude i get results whenever i ask for help i get results and i believe that we all have a, a team working with us and if you just reach out and welcome them in and say hey i need some help with this invariably i get help and uh there's a lot of love there too so anyhow guys guys radio we're on kcaa in Southern California, every Wednesday evening at 8 p.m. Pacific time, 102.3, 106.5 FM, 1050 a.m. Every show replays Sundays at 2 p.m. Pacific time. We're also on uh, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can stream it on kcaa.com. Uh, We're on Blog Talk Radio, and you can also stream on robertmanny.com. So there's plenty of opportunities to listen live, to stream it, or to download Guys Guys Radio, the place where men and women can be at their best, everyone wins. Speaking of robertmanny.com, my website, uh, that's got a lot of information for you, uh, starting with a big overview of my novel, which is a source material for all things Guys Guys. It's called The Guys Guys Guide to Love. And it's about two dudes in advertising competing for love, sex, power, and money in the city where they play for keeps, NYC. And it's a lot of fun. It's a romp. And I think you'll really enjoy the book. And you can check it out on Amazon. You can read the reviews. And uh, it's probably the best place to purchase the book is there. We also have lots of news on the website, events, updates. And I've got 350 blog posts on everything about life, love, and the pursuit of happiness that I've uh contributed over the years. And I also have a lot of contributions to uh, other websites, Cupid's Pulse. I write a column there. It's called Ask the Guys Guys. So uh, ladies write in with a question or guys can write in with a question every month. And I I post an answer on that. That's a lot of fun. They're fantastic people, cupidspulse.com. And I'm also all over the place. I'm also on Second Act TV. I do a lot of uh, YouTube videos with them. And uh You can catch me anywhere. Just Google Robert Manny or Guy's Guy, and there I am. So if you want to support the show and the work we've been doing, we've had about 100 of them on KCAA, but uh, the others are all over the internet where you can download any of them anywhere. But if you want to help out, all I ask is that you consider picking up the novel, of course. uh, Rating, reviewing, or subscribing on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts is a big thing because the more positive reviews we get the better things are you can also follow me on social media i'm on uh, facebook I've got a personal account and i've got an- another account robert manny author which i'm wrestling with facebook as i'm sure many of you who are building your own brands have had to have these wrestling matches with facebook because i want to change the name of my quote unquote fan page from robert manny author to guys guys radio and they're they're giving me a hard time Uh, And it doesn't seem like it's that big a deal. And I point to them. I said, look at the header on the page. Here's my one sheet on Guys Guys Radio. We're focusing on that instead of just the book now. Can we please make this change? So we'll see. We'll stick with it and see what happens. I'm also on Instagram. I'm a pretty frequent contributor there. Twitter and uh, YouTube. We've got a lot of videos. Anyhow, lots to think about. But listen, our show's going strong. I am super honored that you're listening and the wonderful comments I've gotten from our audience. And I look for more and more great guests who will help contribute information and entertainment here on Guys, Guys Radio. And then it's up to you to determine if you want to use that information or not. So, Guys, Guys Radio, your host, Robert Manny. Next week, I hope you'll join us. And until then, like I always like to say, guys, guys, finish first.
0: It's Guys Guy Radio.